This is the Here For Now podcast. Here For Now is rooted in discussion around creativity, craft, community, and forward motion. I'm your host, Josh Ewell. This week, episode 12, I talk with Anton Kropichka. Anton is an all-around mountain athlete with a unique perspective on ego and external validation. We dive into his experience with higher education and the aesthetic of dissonance. We talk about riding bikes and how profound moments of life clarity can really sneak up on you. All that and more coming up on Here For Now. What's something you've learned about yourself in the last five years that would inspire a younger version of yourself? Gosh, I was such an asshole when I was younger. The thing that would have inspired a younger version of myself was just the fact that I've been able to make a career out of my passions, I guess. I mean, that's that's the obvious answer. But the problem with this question is that it gets right to the whole issue of like an inferiority complex or like imposter syndrome and that kind of thing. And you're like, well, I don't know. I don't really feel like I have anything figured out right now. So it's hard to tell a younger version of myself that this is the advice, you know? When I was younger, uh, I, I don't know. I wanted to make a mark somehow, I guess, you know, like feel like I was accomplishing something. And I don't know if I've done that or not, but yeah. Yeah, well, if you dial back the question just a little bit, maybe um, on less of a like whole self mode, mm-hmm. maybe think about it from the standpoint of like your life has probably changed in the last five years and it looks a lot different than what it looked like when maybe you were younger. Okay. Um, yeah. if, if you could just look back to your previous self and be like, hey, like, hey, this is going to be all right. Or yeah, you know that thing you thought you were going to yeah. do? It didn't work out. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about how young, like we're talking like, like maybe like 20s or something. Or? Yeah, I would say like still in your adult life. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was having a tough time right out of college because I wanted, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I don't, I, a lot of people don't know. But I was like, oh, the next thing to do is to go to grad school. So, I mean, I quit two grad programs in the course of, I don't know, like four years or something. And I think at the time I was probably just like, oh man, like this is tough. Like you don't, you're not willing to compromise really like your passions to like follow a more traditional career. And I just got lucky in that I was able to turn my passions into a career and yeah, that's worked out. <laughs> so I guess this is the classic thing of when you're having like that angst of the quarter life crisis kind of angst, you know, it all eventually works out, but then now it's time for the midlife crisis, I think. All right. We'll, we'll get into that actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just taking a step back, give me a bit of a rundown of your life up until where we are right now. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I grew up in Nebraska on a small farm and moved to Colorado 2001 for college, uh, went to Colorado College in Colorado Springs. And I've basically been in Colorado on the front range ever since, short stints in Bozeman and uh, Ashland, Oregon. I mean, I've been into running my, ever since I was 11 years old. And I just, I've always pursued that monomaniacally. Uh, I would say up until the last 
five to seven years hampered by injuries. Um, but as a result, I was able to make a career uh, in mountain ultra marathons, I guess. And uh, yeah, sort of parlay that into being sort of just a mountain athlete in the outdoor industry. You've been in Colorado for a long time. Do you, and you said you tried out some other spots. Are you here because you kind of know this is where you want to be? Yeah. It, when I was younger, or when I was in like elementary school, my family would take road trips to the national parks out west all every summer. And so I was enthralled with the mountains from a young age. And I applied to CC because I wanted to be in the mountains. It was the only school I applied to in the West. And I was lucky enough to, you know, get a scholarship there. But it was a very intentional, like, I'm applying there because I want to live in the mountains. I want to be in Colorado. Uh, and then ever since, you know, since I've been an adult, then I mean, making my own choices, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be in the mountains and Colorado specifically. You mentioned that you had quit two grad programs in the course of four years. Tell me a little bit more about your perspective on higher education and some of the things that you went through there. Yeah, my perspective on higher education shifted drastically post-undergrad, I would say. I don't know. I think coming out of high school, I just my family instilled in me these values of education and, and being an intellectual and just academics in general. And I was all in. I worked super hard in college. Uh, but then... In grad school, it's like I didn't have that. Uh, it didn't need it for my ego anymore, I guess, to like prove myself in that regard anymore. Like, I don't know, maybe I just grew into myself more as an adult. So I didn't feel this need for validation in the academic arena. And so then I started, I just started realizing, I just looked at the people around me and they all seemed to be way more into what they were studying than I was into what I was studying. And most of them seemed to have a, a true passion for what they were working on, and I just didn't care. And I was obsessed with running, and uh, yeah, got in the way. What were you studying? So the first graduate program I went to was at Montana State, and I was uh, working on a structural geology project. Um, it was actually just over Tennessee Pass, over like Homestake zone um and then i was only there a semester i broke my foot like the first semester i was there and just got really bombed and left and i was really uninspired by the purely scientific aspect of it i was like i need, i need to be able to connect this to something that i can care about so i wanted to do something more applied so i dropped out moved back to colorado springs worked in a running shop for a year and then uh or less than a year reapplied to grad school at cu boulder and my idea was to be in environmental science or environmental studies. Uh, but they're like, my advisor, my soon to be advisor, future advisor was like, well, if you apply in the geography department, you can get you some money, you know? So I was in the geography program, physical geography, uh, working on acid mine drainage down in Creed, Colorado, in the east side of the San Juans, I guess. So everything I was doing there was alpine hydrology, some snow science. And I made it <laughs> to the very final, like I made it two and a half semesters in and like with like the semester that I was supposed to be defending my thesis. And uh, I mean, I'd done all the research, done all the data analysis, began writing the thesis. Uh, I ended up being in Brazil for like a month 
for New Balance. So it was just like, yeah, this isn't gonna work. And so then, if, then I was like, okay, like this running thing is like really taking off. I'm getting a lot of support, but uh, I can just like take a leave of absence. I think you take four semesters off or something before you can like come back. But of course that never happened. Like, <laughs> Did you ever think about going back or that no, sort of following four semesters worth of time, you were just kind of like doing the running thing? Oh, 100% just doing the running thing. and. It didn't even like occur to me like, oh, the, the fourth semester has passed. So I was just like, because that would have been like 2013 or something. And I was just deep into it. Dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> there was so much international travel and racing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't thinking about your, uh, your master's no. thesis anymore. <laughs> no, no. I was like, I was, I, the whole time I was in that program, I was such a half-hearted grad student. Like I was such a shitty grad student. I like, I just wasn't. I just wasn't psyched on. I wasn't motivated, you know, and, and running was this thing that was providing a lot of validation for me at the time. And, um, I was getting a lot of, yeah, external validation and support. And that was where I spent my energy. So you've mentioned a couple of times, like ego and external validation for yeah. the things that you're doing. Tell me, tell me more about like your relationship with those two things. I think for me, that stuff, dates back to growing up in Niobrara, Nebraska and being an outsider, you know, just not having, you know, it was a really small rural community. Uh, the major pastimes in high school would have been not for me, but for my peers or just like pasture parties, you know, bonfires, drinking beer. And that stuff was heavily looked down upon by my parents. And I don't know, I wasn't a rebellious teenager or anything. I was like, I was on the program. I was like, yeah, I don't need to do any of that. But it was, it definitely, I kind of developed a chip on my shoulder around sort of like social acceptance and that kind of thing. And running was absolutely the way I coped with all that. It was just, that's how I sort of integrated my identity and was like, okay, this is what makes me unique. This is how I differentiate myself from others. And, and this is where I feel good. This is where I feel like myself and capable. So that's how I got through high school. And then when you go to college, it's like you can completely redefine yourself if you want to, which I, I basically did. You know, none of the baggage of high school is there, you know. But I think that initial like kind of chip on my shoulder of like, oh, I'll show them or like uh, needing to prove myself. I mean, it's still there to a small degree, but it's it's a large part of what fueled my competitive part of my running at least. You know, that's only an aspect of running, but it's the aspect that, gets you like recognition and clout and standing in the industry, you know? So, so I wanted to lead in with that question into talking about you definitely exist kind of on the outside of the standard norms of a lot of the activities you partake in and the, the part of your life that is public. Um, mm. you seem to be like a very independent thinker in the way that you approach activities. And I'm curious, if that was sort of you just being like, ah, this is the way that I like to do things, or if that's a, a conscious decision and then you kind of just fit a little bit outside of the common mold and how, how did you find your voice to be doing your thing just kind of the way that you like to do it? That's a, I don't know, that's, that's a perceptive question. I think you're right, but it's definitely, it was never an intentional thing. It always just felt like the thing, whatever, I, whatever I'm doing, I just try to do it in a way that, feels right to me and makes sense to me. And a lot of the times, but the result of that has been that I always feel like a little bit of an outsider in, 
in whatever activity I'm pursuing. You know, in running, it's like, well, first off, ultra running is like this fringe thing, especially when I started, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. Uh, but then like within that, even I never really identified with the whole, like just the whole uh, scene of it, you know, it just never was really my thing, which can be this really, uh, alienating zone when you're held up as sort of this avatar of the whole scene, you know, it's just like, then I don't really identify with any of this. And then, yeah, at the same time, I don't really feel like a climber because I don't climb very strong but I really enjoy it and I do a lot of it. And like you said, do it in kind of this weird way where, you know, I do a lot of simul climbing or speed climbing, whatever. And then on a bike, yeah, I'm not a cyclist, you know? <laughs> I mean, I ride my bike a lot, but not very quickly. And usually with a lot of bags on it, you know, and uh, which is also having a moment right now for sure too. Uh, so I don't know. It's just, I don't think it's a reaction to, oh, like F the mainstream or anything. It's more just the stuff i don't know this goes into a whole like sorry i'm like spinning off here we, we, let's dig into it yeah 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 With, well so like there's always this problem of it's like your your favorite band the first album is always a fucking banger you know you're just like this this and it's always like the demo is the best right right you know? yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> like like you know, it has this thing where it's just like predictable that if she likes a band she likes the demo like almost better than anything else you know and i'm often the same way because it's kind of lo-fi it's like super just gritty usually and and then like as as it goes on and as it goes as they grow as a band like they become more produced and like they're garnering more and more audience like more into the mainstream and you're just like oh man like just don't have it anymore and you feel like that asshole he's like oh they just i wish wish they would put out the first stuff again and it's like no like you want them to be able to evolve and grow right but sir, there's just always that thing of where the mainstream is always going to consume kind of like the edges like the the fringe of something is always going to end up somewhere the, in the middle yeah. yeah yeah go to the middle and then it's like well then what's the new fringe you know and so i don't know i feel that way with a lot of the activities i've done and it's something i think about with myself is like, I don't want to just be that person that's like being reactionary against whatever the mainstream is, but it just seems like it always works out that way. Talk to me a little bit about aesthetic then, um, because I think that at least if, in my experience, I've been driven a lot by how like things look just from my eyes and okay. the way that I interact with things are, have a lot more to do with not the aesthetic I'm trying to make other people see, but just like the way it feels when I go out and do something mm -hmm. or make a decision to put, you know, what kind of bags on my bike or the yeah. type of photography I like to make. Like it's, it's all driven by this sort of creative process that's in the back of my brain that's somehow connected to my aesthetic that is really more personal than it is external how has your aesthetic for your your own expression developed over the years? For me, I really like dissonance, I guess, or like like the unexpected. It's kind of like, okay, um, for instance, uh, I have a lot of steel bikes, but I like having like deep section carbon ribs on them, yeah, <laughs> which is like doesn't really, it's not, it's like two clashing worlds, you know? Right. But I really like that. Um, it, it's just, it's just like, I just think it looks sweet, you know? And that's a lot of things in my life. I remember when I was in college and I was like first being exposed to like basically like the outdoor world and the mountain world. It's like everyone's rocking the like 
Carhartts and Chacos and like carrying the Nalgene around. And I was just like, oh, but I want to like, I want to like do cool stuff outside, but like not have to be like a dirt, like look like a dirt bag, like a, you know, posing as like a carpenter or something, you know, like, I mean, I grew up on a farm. So like I grew up around people who wear overalls and not ironically or not because like they think that makes them like hip or something, you know what I mean? Like, and so I don't know, I never, so just like in my personal presentation, I kind of always edged towards a little more like just not that trope of whatever, you know, the outdoor look. And it's the same with, I, I think kind of with all this stuff is I don't, I think my like sensitivity to unoriginality is tuned a little bit too high and in, in that sometimes I can not give people enough credit, you know? So I don't know. That's, that's sort of like what drives my aesthetic. It's just like, it's like, oh, like you're wearing the trucker cap. Uh, sensitivity like. to unoriginality. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely, I've definitely, mine's, my knob's not turned up too high, but every once in a while I hit it and I'm like, oh yeah, I see like with those eyes sometimes. For yeah. Sure. I relate yeah. to that. I mean, th- but that's not, it's not something that I like about myself and I don't think it's a healthy way to go through the world necessarily, but it is what drives kind of stylistic choices, both like, you know, artistically and functionally in my life, I'd say. Right. It's hard sometimes when all of a sudden you're like, oh, I think I'm being judgmental of this person who's also doing something that I enjoy. Totally. And I need to dial that back. Yeah. Because it's sort of what's what's the point of that? Yeah. Because they're probably, they are a rad person usually. And like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's dumb. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that self-awareness is is a hard thing to reach in the first place, at least with things like that in my own life. It's just like once you finally get to the point where you're like, I think I've been an asshole a few <laughs> times to someone and I didn't realize it, but now I'm aware of it and I think I can work on it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I think as long as you yeah, can like raise your self-awareness and work on those things, then you do okay. Yeah. Do you have any tools or things that you do on a regular basis that like helps you find that space, that like self-awareness? Of- yeah, you know, I think I think this applies to most people the more like the shittier you're feeling about yourself or more uncertain or stressed you are in your life, the less generous you are to other humans. You know, it's, it's, it's a cliche, but it's always the, you know, whenever someone's like, you know, throws out the road rage or something, it's cause they're having a shitty day. It's not something you did, you know? Right. And so, yeah, whenever I'm feeling less confident, kind of less, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Just optimistic about the way my life's going, then I'm probably more negative about the people around me. I've recently like come out, like I think a lot of people have recently come out of like a low point in their lives. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I've recently like kind of been on the upswing and everything's like great. And I'm like, oh wow, I my interactions with people seem to be good. Yeah, you just They're like- Better more, than they used to be. <laughs> yeah, it's just like this this generosity thing or like, you know, you're just like, oh yeah, that person's awesome and they're doing cool things and like, why would I nitpick about any of that? Like, you know, it's, yeah. So word on the street is you were unofficially the best dressed at Unbound XL. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you just raced, uh, this was two weeks ago now, God, week and a half maybe. Ago, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you raced the Unbound XL, which is 358 miles of gravel. Yep. And you did it in how long did it take you? It took me 28 hours. Yeah. Okay. So, but I mean, that's, yeah, in my was- brain, that is cooking. Yeah, it's not though, man. It's fast roads. Well, there's some slow. There's definitely some slow riding. It could, I could go a couple hours faster, um, and that's where I think I should have been. But it's fine. Yeah. Well, tell me a little more about that experience. Yeah. So for me, 
I mean, I've been riding bikes consistently for six, seven years now. Uh, and I did the 200 at Unbound two years ago. And that was a real, just that whole experience of that weekend, uh, you know, met some cool people. It was like a deep dive into bike culture there. That had a big impact on me. I did a ton of touring that summer and because uh, I had an injury going on. So I was like relegated to the bike, <laughs> only the bike. And so, yeah, since then, I've just been really like, ah, I want to like try a bike packing race or, you know, just really, you know, 200 miles on a bike isn't that big a deal. Um, so try something a little more ultra endurance, I guess, on, on the bike. And this was just like the first dipping of a toe into that you know it's like oh okay i have this opportunity to go back down bound let's try the 350 instead uh and so yeah it was by far the farthest i've ridden my bike in a single push um i've done some like hefty tours you know with like multiple 150 plus mile days back to back that kind of thing but never 360 miles in a push you know when it's so different when you when you just stack it all in one go yeah you know you can it's amazing when your body's like okay with what you're doing what you can get away with oh yeah yeah no it's crazy because and to me you know with all my 100 mile racing background i was like oh this is going to be like that you know it's just there's going to be a point where it's, it's really bad and you just have to like make sure you're committed to finish and it never got like really bad. I don't know. I, I kind of blame myself for that, that maybe I wasn't trying hard enough, but mostly it was just like a long bike ride and like nothing ever really hurt. Like my butt was fine. My neck was fine. I don't know. Hands ended up being a little numb afterwards, but not during, you know, it's just, it wasn't. And as a result, I kind of had this, I came away from it sort of just like, uh, like that was a thing that I did, you know, I didn't, it didn't have like, it didn't leave this emotional mark on me, which I've really been for the last 10 days, like mulling over in my head. Like, why was that? And I think it was because I didn't try hard enough. You know, like I, I went in a little bit, just like, I almost want to make sure I can finish. And I, as a result, I ended up shortchanging myself a little bit, you know, like in the running world, I know I've been running for gosh, what is it? 26 years now, something like that. Is that right? Yeah, a lot. So I know how to pace myself. I know how to like kind of meet out my effort. And in biking, I just wasn't sure of like what kind of intensity was sustainable for me. You know? Right. And racing is such a different thing than going out for a tour. So much different. I mean, it's just like such a higher intensity. Just the fact that there's other humans there. That So then there's the whole aspect of drafting and being sucked along that way. And, and that just increases your efficiency so much. But then, I'm, well, maybe you're going too fast for your fitness. And it's just... It's so weird. Um, it was a relief to finally kind of like have the group break up a little bit and, you know, drop behind this group and pull away from that group and just be kind of like riding on your own and just go completely your own pace. And, um, I love like, you know, you ride all night and I love that. I think a lot of people kind of struggle at night. And for me, it just has never mattered. You know, I've run all night several times and that was my favorite part of the race for sure. But then like the sun came up, the wind came up the next day. It was super hot. Yeah. And I got drowsy, which was a new experience for me, I guess. It's never happened running, but on the bike, it's just like, it seems like it's like driving a car. You can just like fall asleep at the wheel. There's just know? enough relaxation, even when you're pushing hard that it can. Yeah, yeah, especially when you're just like hunkered down in the aero bars and do a headwind. It's just like 
so easy to nod off. Yeah, you do the you do the sort of neck stretch thing, and next thing you know, your eyes were closed for a second. Exactly. And you're like, Whoa! How <laughs> yeah. long were those closed for? <laughs> yeah. So that was definitely like, I mean, the heat and wind are a given in Kansas that time of year, this time of year. Right. But uh, for me, the biggest hardship was figuring out how to deal with drowsiness, I guess, and uh, like maintain motivation through that. You just start riding so slowly and not caring, you know, and yeah, I don't know. It was definitely an interesting experience. And at first I was like, ah, do I want to do something like that again? But then within like 24 hours, I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely coming back next year. And I want to like try this race and like do this effort. And I don't know. It's the bike for me is really interesting because it's, it's there's the whole self-supported aesthetic and there's no impact. Like it's it just seems sustainable for my body versus running which is so fraught with injury you know that self-supported ethic that was built into the xl you know when they brought that on a few years back that was the first time i and i could never see myself racing a 200 mile yeah road bike race essentially it is just like and you know you know just from this last year i heard you know people that were trying to be competitive crashed because they just were in a wreck and somebody crashed in front of them. And, you know, it's just like the the top end stuff for me is just like I have no interest in maxing out for 100 miles or 200 miles straight. Yeah. But when in that self-supported aspect comes into it where you're like, okay, you're going to still go as hard as you possibly can for a relatively short period of time in terms of ultra bike racing. Sure, yeah. But you're still just going to be like in it. It's like, okay, like I maybe could – could could yeah, try it because you have to like take care of yourself still and there's like the night aspect so I mean, right which i di- think is the coolest part of that whole thing is that you have to ride through the night no matter who you are oh totally on that race yeah yeah i mean i like that too um it's just it's sort of an, an equalizer but i don't know it's for me it's this the differentiation between say a 100 200 mile bike race and a 350 mile bike race is like one is truly about performance and racing and like getting like the most you physically can out of yourself. Obviously there's a mental aspect too, but the other one's just an adventure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like shit is going to go wrong. Like you're going to have to work through it and you're not going to, and you don't have anyone, you can't limp to the next checkpoint where there's going to be your crew to like give you a new wheel or something, you know, or like an extra tire. Like you're just gonna have to figure it out on your own and you're like buying your own food at gas stations and all that stuff. So it's yeah, it's, it maintains that more of a bike packing element to it, I guess. You mentioned before kind of having your identity wrapped up in running, especially out of college when you were traveling all over the world, you were racing at a really high level, you were really making waves in the ultra running scene. And that was what in my mind, I would consider that, you know, top end performance, mm-hmm. like you were talking about, like, in the bike world where you're racing hundred miles, you're racing hundred miles on foot and, but you were going, you know, that top notch speed. How has that transition been from going from, you know, that top end in a niche corner of running, mm-hmm. but into another corner of cycling where you're still doing quite well at this endurance thing, but it's such a different experience. Yeah, it's, that's exactly. It. And it's, uh, that's sort of why I was bringing that up is because I really, I personally find a lot of value in just like pure race efforts too. Even if I'm not like I was in the running world, kind of at the front of the game, you know, I just think there's, for me, it's just always been a valuable, interesting experience to go and try my hardest in a very physical way. But with the biking thing, I mean, I was never going to be a top level cyclist, even 
say when I was younger. So it's always, you just kind of pushed into that more fringe aspect of it of like, oh, like what do I, what am I actually interested in here other than just pure performance, you know, where it's like, like or an EPO, you know, and I mean, maybe not so much anymore, but yeah, you know what I mean? Um, And instead it's like, oh, it is that adventure, that adventure side of uh, taking care of yourself, seeing new places, uh, still pushing your body and mind, but there's all these X factors that kind of eliminate the, the pure like physical machine aspect of it, you know, and all those, all those moving bits just make it really engaging and interesting, I think, um, and require you to be resourceful. And I don't know, in the same, the same with the long distance run, you know, ultra running is you're, you're forced through this imposed self-imposed like challenge and hardship to like really confront yourself. And you've, it's you can't lie to yourself because the stakes just feel super high of like, Oh, either you quit or you don't, you know, it's like pretty binary and you just kind of find out what you're made of. And I don't know. I think that's, I think a lot of people or many people go through life never like they're, they're optimizing for kind of stability and comfort instead of kind of, I don't know, chaos and discomfort you know and so you're saying you optimize for chaos and discomfort i don't know if i optimize for it but i know it's i know it's an important experience to have and it's it's something i really value you know and yeah you're um, looking to facilitate that experience yeah for sure yeah yeah. with that self-supported aspect and cycling becoming more prominent do you see yourself trying in starting to racing any longer distance stuff or are you thinking to keep it more in that sub 400 range this is more for my own personal interest mm-hmm. because i was surprised like i i'm not that surprised that you raced the 350 but i also kind of expected you to line up for something much longer this summer oh well i mean <laughs> dude the summer's just barely gotten rolling here like, well all right well let's talk about it <laughs> no i mean i guess that's, and, that was a spring race that was totally last minute i signed up less than two weeks before the start i was just kind of like like Haley was doing the 200 and i was like oh, i wonder if i'm you know finagling entry and i was able to and because i've done so much touring over the last i guess four years now um the the ultra distance bikepacking stuff really interests me sleep deprivation is not something i'm that interested in but it's just part of the game i think um and it, but at the same time you get to choose like you're like oh if i want to get six hours of sleep tonight like i will and then I'll just try and like ride harder and longer the next day. That's the, that's the thing. Like you get to choose how you, how, what experience you have out there. Of course, if you're trying to be competitive, there's probably going to be limiting sleep significantly at some point, but no, I, I like those. I don't know. I like living on the bike, you know, and I like racing. So combining the two is a very interesting format for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's for me, like the the shorter distance stuff is hard for me to wrap my brain around because I always it takes me I think I think it takes me three full days for my body to start stop. It's for my body to agree with me enough where it stops trying to get me to stop. I totally know what you mean. Just from the tours I've done, like day two is always terrible. Yeah, your body's just <laughs> like, hey, my legs hurt. Actually, my head hurts. Actually, you're sick. Actually, like, yeah, yeah. no, you feel great all of a sudden. No, you feel bad. Like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> like, what is? What are you doing to me? But then, yeah, but for me, it's always like day three, like things kind of start like, oh, this is rad. Like, I'm having a great time. You know, day one, it's just like you have energy and stuff. Where you go. But yeah, yeah I, I agree. But, you know, it's just a different, it's just a different kind of intensity. You know, you're just all out and, um, and the shorter stuff. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, there, like, there are a couple. You know, there seems like there's so many bike packing races cropping up, like just in the past year or so. Um, I've got my eye on a couple different ones for this year still, but not nothing like crazy long. More like in the week long range. You can do a lot in a week. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> what are your influences like outside of the like outdoor space? Where do you draw your influence from other things? Uh, I would say mostly writing and uh, music, so like literature and bands. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just you. The thing with all art is that it's trying to make you feel something, and when it seems like that art is expressing an emotion that you felt, then you're like, oh, bang, like it did it. You know, that's like like purpose achieved, you know? And uh, so anytime a song or a book does that for me, I, I don't know, I get inspired because maybe it's just like life affirming or something. It's like, oh, there's another human out there who's felt the same way about this. I don't know if that counts as inspiring, but whenever someone is able to do that through their art, I think that's super cool. It's just, it's just like a level of attunement to the human condition that, yeah, I find inspiring. Anything off the top of your head that has hit you recently? Uh, I mean, right now I'm reading this collection of essays from Zadie Smith and she's pretty good at it. <laughs> she has a nice, I would say it's casual while still being sophisticated style to her, to her writing that I really appreciate. And and it's a lot of just like there's like a little bit of self-deprecating humor in there, which always helps, and and just insights about society and life and humans and uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe just I'm just currently reading that. But then, gosh, with music, I don't know. There's there's so many old standbys. It's just crazy, like how stuff can hit you. Like I think I don't know because I don't play any instruments. I've never played music beyond the cornet and high school band you know <laughs> but music's always been something that it's been really important to me and i listen to it obsessively and it amazes me i don't know so yeah for for the longest time when i first moved out to colorado i don't know i was like in a weird space when i was like i'm just gonna not run with music and i'm just gonna mm. be out in the mountains and i was like maybe a little pious about my choice to be in tune with nature, which at, if I look back on it, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention at all. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was just like, I don't know. I just decided, but I remember the first time I went out and like decided to put some music in, I was just like, Oh wow. Like I was having a low moment. Now I feel really good. Yeah, yeah. And this is really cool. So yeah, music's been a huge thing for me, especially during endurance stuff where like you're having a low moment. You can, sometimes you can't find the right music. You just put it on shuffle and a song comes on and you're just like, Oh yes. Yeah. Okay, the un the unexpected is nice. Yeah. No, I mean for me, I didn't, I never listened to anything while being outside until I want to say it was like 2014, maybe. So, you know, I spent a good almost 20 years of like running with like never listening to music or anything. But now it's, I wouldn't say it's constant, but it's, it's most of the time. It's not, and that's like on the bike or skiing or running music and podcasts. But in just like in life, I listen to a lot of music and it's, I don't know. I would enjoy it. It was crazy though. Like the first time I listened to music running, I, I was like, what is going on? Like, like there's, I don't know. There was, it was just sort of this transcendent experience. I couldn't believe like, like my whole body went numb. I was just like, what is happening right now? I can't believe that I didn't know about this before. You know? <laughs> so, like, but, 
I don't know. It's just when a song hits you a certain way, it's crazy. That's certainly something that that's an experience that I had too when I first started listening to music, and it's uh, it's like sticks with you. You're like, I'd like to have that again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure you've had when you've been racing. I'm sure you've had profound self-awareness moments uh but in more recent years when you've been out on you know solo trips bike tours or whatever you're out there doing have you had sort of like breakdown i didn't know i was feeling this way moments or any of those you know profound realizations while you've been out since you've spent a little less time racing and a little more time just doing the things that you want to do i would say that those happen more when not racing than racing because racing is like such a public display that there's definitely, at least for me, I don't get kind of broken down the same way in a race. There's always just kind of like that, that armor kind of, of like not showing your true self up, I guess. I don't know, at least post-collegiately, like racing's always been a very public thing. So on like on personal trips, I don't know, it depends. It's usually, it's not so much like, oh, I didn't know I was feeling that way, but you'll just, I'll just have these moments of you just, it's just wild, dude. Like you feel like, you know, you're absolutely just, you're the star hero in some movie that you're directing, you know, and you're having just some transcendent moment out there that nobody knows about. And it's impossible to relate to anyone else. And those are the moments that, I don't know, like, it's like why I do these things, you know, to feel like you're, doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing in the right place at the right time. So it's not so much like it doesn't feel like any kind of personal epiphany other than like you just feel like most completely yourself, I guess. And those typically come on like really good runs or bike tours. It doesn't always have to be like some big mega effort. It's just they kind of just happen sometimes, you know, you're out like scrambling in the flat irons or something and everything's just hitting perfect, you know. Um, I don't know. That's how I describe that. Yeah, I definitely have experienced it on both sides of things. When you're out having a really hard effort or you're just trying hard because you felt good and you were just out by yourself and you, like you're saying, you feel like you're the star of some movie or something, but yeah. there's nobody around. You know, it's just it's just your movie, whatever's going on there. Is, that's, <laughs> that's all you're experiencing and no one will ever know what that was like for you. Um, but also like having those, like you're out on a a short sunrise rip or something and you're just like, oh, you having a similar experience. Yeah. It, it sneaks up on you, definitely. It absolutely sneaks up on you. Like, I don't know. It's it's funny. I never I never understood like people getting emotional during races and stuff or like crossing the finish line or anything. Like I've just never felt that kind of like overwhelming emotion or release upon finishing or, or even winning a race. But like that happens all the time. Not all the time, but often, I guess, when I'm just out doing stuff on my own. Or just like, I don't know. And sometimes it's like, like I don't know if you listen to Radio Lab. Sometimes you're just like, every time it's just it's something just like hits, and you're like, what? Like, yeah. Like, really? And you're just like bawling about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't understand. I, like this makes no sense. But yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. It's, maybe it's just like your emotions are so much closer to the surface when you're so fully engaged in life or something, and it's hard for that to be the case in most of the daily life. Yeah, you have too much external stuff going on and too much uh, of a... Some yeah, just like of, an agenda, like yeah. duties and that kind of thing. And in a race, it's another, it's this very like strict framework of like, I'm racing. Like the, the, the objective is very clear. 
I have a lot of duties I'm taking care of, you know? Um, so there's no, there's never been room for emotion for me really in racing, you know, it's just like getting it done, you know? Yeah. I mean, has that been a good process for you kind of post racing career with running to be able to get it, get to experience some of that stuff more? I guess it's just sort of surprising. I don't, I don't know if it's been good or bad, but it's just like, it's just sort of an aspect of life that I hadn't really engaged with before, I guess, you know, I don't know. It's funny because I'm just still thinking about the racing stuff. Like at the XL, you're out there for 28 hours and I brought headphones with me. I never once even thought about putting them in, you know, like 28 hours straight, like no, no distractions. I I just knew that like, I never, like if I had listened to something, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked. Like it wouldn't have, uh, I didn't have the mental capacity to be like paying attention to it. I was too busy like racing, you know? Yeah. You were focused in on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I have found like, I'll try to anticipate those moments. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, Oh, you know, I'm going to finish the divide today and I'm going to cry at the finish. (laughs) I know it. It's going to be really emotional and I get there and I'm just like, all right, like, what do I do now? Totally. And I was just like, Oh, (laughs) they don't, you don't get to decide when that stuff happens. No, not (laughs) at all. No, that's the thing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It, it, for me, it's just so random. I don't know. That's part of the beauty of it too, I guess. So you've been known in the past for sort of like running your body into the ground and you've even received criticism for like being too hard on yourself or doing too much. Is there any regret for pushing too hard at a younger age or do you feel regret might not be the fairest word to use? Uh, I don't want to put words yeah, in your but mouth. Just, but, but sort of, sort of just like looking back with like, wiser eyes now yeah yeah um man this one is tough because i'm happy with where i am today and i know that without a lot of those experiences that came from just doing like insane things in the running world i wouldn't be who i am today you know so it's hard to say that oh i shouldn't have spent that period of time running 200 miles a week something man i was just recently looking back at some training logs uh and i was like what like <laughs> like how it's you nice know? to know even you look back on it and you're like that doesn't make sense no it's <laughs> insanity dude and and i don't know but part of me is like i don't necessarily think oh that was dumb that i was doing that but it's just that it's like mind boggled a little bit that i was doing it at all a little bit so like you know i have friends now who are kind of in their mid-20s and and i think about the way that they're conducting their lives compared to how i did And I was like, oh, man, if I'd had a little more of my current just kind of like maturity about how I'm treating my body, yeah, there could have been more longevity or better results. I don't know. Perhaps. Probably. I mean, I'm not – it's not that I have an unwillingness to like admit fault here, but it literally comes down to I I feel like I had some really valuable experiences that I wouldn't want to take back. You know, well, that's the better perspective to take on your life experience, right? I mean, you can look back on decisions you made and say, like, oh, like I regret making these decisions, or mm-hmm. you can say, like, well, like those facilitated these experiences, and I learned from that. So, yeah, I mean, it's exactly. like a, it seems like a healthy way to look back on it because yeah. I, I try to remove the word regret from my the way I think about things that I've experienced because I learned stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. People are always like, oh, I live with no regrets, and I never really understood what that meant. But I think maybe because I was thinking that people who lived without regret weren't taking, weren't being reflective enough about moments to like learn anything from it or like tell themselves, like think about how it fit into like the larger story of their life, you know, like 
I don't know. I think it's important to be reflective and have an idea of how your life's events and experiences have like, you know, what's the, what's the narrative? What's the story that they tell, you know, uh, like what's the arc that you're on and, and that can help like inform your steps going forward then too, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Regrets is a weird word. I don't really think about it that often. Yeah. I, I, ch- I don't like it very much either. As soon as I said it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'd like to rephrase that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> You're talking about sort of overall life experience and, you know, building a, a story around that. Do you have a goal and a story in mind, like a plan for, you know, either something you want to leave behind, something, uh, people you want to inspire or, you know, what do you want to bring to the table because it sounds like you you make choices on the way that you live your life because you want to be able to uplift the things that you do and live a quality life yourself yeah that's i think that's the thing going forward for me that i mean i've spent my life up until this point for a number of years i think it was necessarily quite self-centered and selfish you know because you're trying to be you know the best athlete you can be and and you feel like that's the most important thing you can do in your life right now but I think I've definitely reached a point in my life where you realize the importance of doing things for other people and figuring out how you can positively affect, you know, the small community around yourself. Um, whether that's like through inspiring people, sharing your experiences and stories, I'm not sure yet, but it's definitely something that I think about a lot because it's like, oh, like what's the point of all this, you know? And, <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's, there's definitely this nagging part of me that just feels like, I don't know, I haven't done quite what I've set out to do yet. Like there's like a lot of unfulfilled potential and I'm quite like determined to try and like take a shot at fulfilling that still. And so there's that tension all the time. So kind of circling back around to that first question a little bit, but with a different spin on it, if you could share some advice to your future self about what you've learned in the past five years or so and remind yourself something for reaching some of those goals in the future, what would it be? I think that it's important to take, put the effort into human relationships. Uh, I haven't been great about that in my life, but that's something that I want to be better at. And because ultimately that's what it comes down to. So if five years from now, I haven't put more effort into that, I'll be disappointed in myself, I guess, you know? So, so to like offset future disappointments, like, you know, tell your future self to like get in line and hopefully you've done that in the next five years, you know? It's a really good reminder to put that time and effort into our human relationships people we surround ourselves with and care for really do amplify those quality moments in life. Putting in the time to facilitate those relationships really does make a difference. Thank you, Anton, for taking the time to join me for this conversation. Here for Now is solely supported by its listeners. If you feel inclined to contribute to this podcast, head over to middlewell.com backslash here for now and look for that donate button. We're going to keep this thing going, so check back for new episodes every other Monday. Until then, happy trails.